Welcome to a special edition of the AlbumReview.net podcast. This is episode two of our new feature, Band Fanatics. In each episode of Band Fanatics, I talk to multiple music fans and hear their stories of their craziest concert experiences. For our second Band Fanatics episode, I welcome three friends, John, Andrew, and Zach. All three are gigantic music fans, and each one of them has likely been to more concerts than me and I've been to north of 300. So John, Andrew, and Zach all share their stories of their craziest concert experiences on this episode. If you'd like to be a part of Band Fanatics by AlbumReview.net, send a message to gpotters at AlbumReview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at AlbumReview.net. Or you can message me on Instagram at AlbumReviewNet. Tell us briefly about your crazy concert experience. It can be anything. It just needs to be wild. And we'll get back in touch with you if it's right for the podcast. So come be a part of the Band Fanatics podcast, part of albumreview.net. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. John, what is your, what, what, what are your, if you have multiple or if you just have one, give me some examples of a concert experience that you had that was just, just out of this world or something you have to share. So I think I know the one that came to mind when I thought about it. And I got to say, like, I don't have this like crazy night movie of like this one night, you know, this crazy 24 hour period. No one gets arrested. No one gets into a fight or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, so none of those, but the, the concert that definitely came to mind was end of my junior year, going into my senior year of college. So summer of 1997. Okay. Rage Against the Machine and Wu-Tang. Oh man. Which at that point, and as you know, we've talked about, that is like the absolute Venn diagram of my two college love affairs with I've loved Rage Against the Machine, still do. They were the heaviest friggin' group. And I was thought of myself as like a real badass, like socialist historian guy. And, and so I was down with the politics of their stuff. And like, I knew the history of it and the history guys so loved that. And Wu-Tang, like absolutely. And as we were talking about before we went on, I got introduced to Wu-Tang in college. And that just opened a whole new door. So this concert was like, absolutely. I'm pretty psyched to go to this. Um, You know, it's 25 years ago. So I'm trying to remember the details, but oddly enough, I remember being kind of dodgy about going to the concert. I think what happens is these two guys from my hometown that I'm not really in touch with anymore. They wanted to go see Rage Against the Machine. A little less Wu-Tang. 
the guy who got the tickets was maybe like 90 pounds soaking wet <laughs> and railed. And basically what I came to learn after I said yes was they brought me as the enforcer. And 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 I'm like, well, I'm kind of a pacifist, guys. Like I know I'm 6'2 and 200 plus pounds, but I don't fight. I'm not looking at right? fight. <laughs> and so I'm like, I definitely am going. And and then I think this concert, it was Where kind was of- Where was the venue, if you don't mind me asking? Um, Great Woods, whatever it is okay. now, Mansfield, yep. Mass. So yep. wrote up and, you know, this is coming from Rhode Island. So close. Yep. Yeah. Not, not, that, not bad. a bad drive. But this was like a snake bitten concert from the jump. So somewhere, I'm going to say that the concert before, and again, 1997. So like baby internet, if that, yeah, right? right? There, right. There's really no internet. Rumor spread as rumors do that Zach De La Roca broke his ankle and the concert was off. And so it was like, oh, bummer. So no plans, no planning, just work. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And then the concert was on. So it's like, yeah, let's go, right? We're excited to go. And then there was this awful rainstorm and lightning storm. And this is all in the span of a day. And I don't know how information traveled in August of 1997, pre-Twitter, pre-text, but I learned accurately. And I think honestly, like the local news played a role that in the span of word of mouth, like that's how it like were literally like people just walking around in the span of eight hours, the concert was off, then on, then off, then on. And so we're kind of like, back and forth, like going, not going, going, not going. Meanwhile, it's kind of raining out and it's too bad too, right? Like August 21st or something, I have to Google it. I didn't know that, but like, it's supposed to be a nice day, but it's just like kind of the 60, 55 degree rainy day. Right. And so I'm like, oh God, what do I wear? But like also compounded by the fact, like, what do I wear? Because I'm the heavy of this trio. I got to kind of look like a badass, right? So my dad's former military, I grab his camouflage raincoat. He's a little smaller than me, but I'm like, I make it work, right? This this is camo. I wear like a black t-shirt. I'm like, all right, I'm a badass of the group. But but again, because of a couple things. So I'm also 21, but I'm like three months into being 21. I am broke. So like, I'm, I know I'm not buying beer at the concert. Plus I think Mansfield had a deal where if you have an out-of-state license, you have to be 25. Or I remember Fenway was, so it wasn't reliable that I was going to get served at the venue. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, there was always a risk when you went to Great Woods. Even if you had a license and you could drink legally, the cops in the parking lot were going to give you smack. Yeah. Not literally smack. They were going to give you but um, right, like they were inside known. the venue, yes. it was always an issue as well. So yeah, those were some of the, despite the, the, the great shows that we all saw at the great woods, there was always issues with that venue for sure. And I remember that. And I remember being there before I was 21 for some concert that was a river rave or whatever it was. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were <laughs> up people's ass. Like they were, they were yeah. like, it was yep. a regular thing that they were yep. in kid mix, busting up their trunk. So it wasn't like yep. a happy venue, whatever. And I think given the clientele that they expected for Wu-Tang and Rage, I figured they'd be extra spiky, right? And because it was like on, off, on, off, everyone was kind of in a weird mood, right? Wow. So we get to 
great woods the sun's still up but again it's a crappy gray rainy day yeah it's late made... august so that it still yeah. doesn't get dark till like nine o'clock right 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 all i managed to do is like convince my brother i'm like just give me a friggin' joint right like i'm not paying you just give me some of your weed let me roll a j and so i bring precisely one joint with me right and so i stashed that and i'm like that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna smoke a joint and then see what the fuck happens at this show. Um, so anyway, we finally get there. We get into our spot. We get settled. We're like, all right, we got like about 45 minutes to an hour before Wu-Tang comes on. And I'm like, let me smoke this joint. So I pull out the joint. I light it. As I light it, two cops on bikes, like, do this power down. <laughs> Like the parking lot thing I'm at. And again, what we just talked about, these guys were like the Stasi, right? Yeah. And I pull them a joint and I'm just, I just go <laughs> flick it. And because it's raining, my joint lands in a puddle. Yeah. They go gunning right past me to some other shit down the aisle. And I am like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I go retrieve the joint. It's soaking wet. And I'm looking at it. The other two guys I'm with brought nothing. Does anybody have a hair dryer? And I'm just like, what the? So I just hold on to it. This is pathetic, but eventually it dries out. And I'm like, oh, couldn't light it. Cause it was like, so, I was like, I'm eating it, ate the friggin' joint. I'm like, see what happens. Nothing. <laughs> so anyway, we finally get in. We're sitting around waiting. The rain dies down, thank God. And then Wu Tang goes on late not at seven so it was probably supposed to be like wu-tang for two hours hour and a half like you know, seven, three to whatever rage from whatever you know it went wu-tang rage i'll tell you what i witnessed and then tell you what i learned afterwards so then wu-tang goes on and the whole time you're like kind of doing this like listening like not because it was soft but because it was so poorly mixed that you unless you knew the songs you didn't know what they were singing Okay. And then like, so they're up there rapping and this guy who's this character, one of the members called you God, you're like, that don't look like you God, like from all the album artwork and all the stuff I've seen in magazines, that don't look like him, but whatever. So they're rapping and then method man, who's kind of the big star of the group, like takes a nap on the stage at one point. Anyway, it was just kind of like, oh, oh. So it was just like, all right, so I don't have a joint. Wu-Tang's kind of kind of laying an egg here. <laughs> People around me are like, you, and I'm like, don't tell Wu-Tang Clan, you like Wu-Tang is amazing. They're just having a bad night. And then what I came to learn is they, once they heard Zach broke his ankle and the concert was canceled, they were like, great. And they started partying. You know, why wouldn't they, right? They're, they're mega wealthy at this point in time. Right. And then the concert goes back on, they stop party and they rally, they change their plans. It gets canceled again. And only about half the actual members make it. And the ones, some of the ones who do were totally tanked and like passing out on stage because they were exhausted, right? So anyway, Wu-Tang finishes its set. And I was like, well, that, that was kind of disappointing, right? We walk around a little bit, stone cold sober. It's probably now 11 o'clock at night. 
So Rage hasn't even gone on the stage yet. Right. And it's 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Because of like the delay and the lightning and all that stuff. Right. And, and, and so anyway. But then Rage comes on. And immediately you're like, whoa, wow. These guys are heavy. And had you seen Rage before this time? Okay, so this is your first experience. But you've obviously heard them many, many times. Yeah. So you've never seen them live in concert. Okay. I chose a shift at work instead of going to that famous Lollapalooza concert in Rhode Island in 93. So I regret that one. So I missed them then. So they had just put out... um, Oh, what's the the uh, Empire the, whatever, blanking on it the the yellow album with the kid Evil Empire they had Evil just Empire. put that out the fall prior, and you know I ate that thing up. That was with Bulls on Parade, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think they opened with Bulls on Parade or something, and it was. Oh my nice. god, could you like the energy level? Oh, geez, just... it was crazy, right? And again, the '90s, you know, mosh pits were like kind of standard. Yep. And so, like, you know, I'm mixing it up every once in a while, but I'm also like man, I'm, I'm kind of tired here, right? Like Stone Cold Sober at a concert, my favorite band, Wu-Tang, just laid a f- an egg. And I'm just like, ooh, my friends brought nothing and, and whatever. And then um, Rage plays Ghost of Tom Joad, oh. which not many people know. And everyone's whispering, it was like, are they saying Tom Jones? Is it Tom Jones? And we're like, no, it's not Tom Jones. But I remember at one point, my buddy, leans over to me. He was a valedictorian in my class. He goes, do you think these people know what Rage Against the Machine is saying? And if you look at the clientele, it's a lot of stakeheads out there. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, I'm convinced like you, me, and maybe eight other dudes know what they're talking about politically <laughs> and lyrically. But anyway, they put on a great show. We're doing this. We're doing that. You know, listen to the music. And then... Um, the most insane thing that ever happens is their last song. You probably know what it is. If you're Rage Against the Machine, how are you wrapping up the show? Killing in the name of. Killing in the name, yeah. So I was going to say that or know your enemy. Yeah. So Killing in the Name comes on and that first like guitar strum, that boom, and something changes in the whole crowd. Like it had already been kind of amped up. People were edgy and pissed off. And then everyone, including me, felt it immediately. Like the tension just like quintupled in the whole place. And it was, you know, you get those few first growls before that quiet, like boom, 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 yeah. boom. Yeah. You could just see the energy building. And then it, and the place went off. Like the mosh pits multiplied in size and ferocity by like, right? And, you know, the thing about that song, you think about it, it's like something primal happens in people. And it is not like I'm going to kill you primal, but it's like you're trying to kill me and I'm not going to let you primal. Yeah, so it's like yeah. deeper, darker and more ferocious than That's that. That's a great example. And it was like, I was like, you know what? I'm 21. I'm a young buck. I got my dad's Marine Corps camouflage raincoat on. I'm going to go mix it up in the mosh pit. I went in like boom, boom. And I was like, now, and I am, you know me, Greg, I'm not a small person. I was like, Jesus Christ. It was insanity. And they just ripped it. That whole song just ripped it. And it was like four or five minutes, whatever. 
of screaming intensity. They finished at 1 a.m. Wow. And Mansfield, the town of Mansfield was furious. If there's a reason why there's an 11 o'clock curfew on all outdoor concerts, it's that concert that made it the, the case in Massachusetts. So all of that adversity, you know, was like worth it for that public display of killing in the name. That was just absolutely filthy. It was just like easily one of the most potent, caustic live songs I've ever, like I've never seen a song with that much power. Right. Or what is it, 10,000 something people? I don't know what the, the venue holds. It's um it's 15. Right, yeah, yeah. but it just lit an absolute match in a, in a kerosene factory. It was just like, it was crazy. That was absolutely insane, you know? You're, you definitely can consider yourself lucky that you saw Rage in person, in concert, yeah. because as we all know, their tours over the years, over the decades, have been um, on and off. And yeah. even most recently, we were talking about it the other night, John and I get together regularly to geek out on movies, and then we eventually start geeking out on music. And last summer, Rage canceled uh, their Boston Calling appearance, uh, which is a huge show at uh, the Harvard Football Stadium. And Metallica, was it Metallica? Or yeah. they ended up stepping in, right? And yeah. filling yeah. in for Rage. So, yeah. And, and then Rage launched another tour in the late spring, uh, early summer, if I remember correctly. And then they... They only did four or five shows, something of that nature. In that ballpark, it was like single-digit shows, under 10, and then canceled again. So who knows what's going on? My brain always goes to Zach because I feel like their guitar player, whose Tommy. name I'm blanking on. Tommy Morello. Um, Tom Morello. Their guitar player, Tom Morello, he always seems to be in the spotlight and he's a guy that's pretty vocal and seems pretty down to earth and realistic. And so, um, but I guess in many ways, real artists, they're a little nutty, right? So cool, man. Well, right, brother. thank you very much. I will see you again in two and a half, three weeks. Um, yeah. we I'm got. looking forward to it. And if, um, by the way, I, I would love to continue this. You are definitely somebody that has a lot to add. And so if you'd like to do an album review, if there's something that you want to do, I am all for it. I've had people email me and say, hey, you might not have ever really listened to this album much, Greg, but I'd yeah. like to do a review on this. I'm game. Cool. All right, all right, man. Quick break to talk about affiliate marketing. I've been providing reviews and marketing affiliate products for some time now. At no extra cost to you, the consumer, I earn a commission on products and services that I demo, use, purchase, and market. If you're looking to make some extra side hustle income in your life, regardless of the product, industry, or genre, you'll need to learn how and where to start. That's why I'm recommending Pat Flynn's online affiliate marketing course called 123 Affiliate Marketing. Learn the ins and outs to affiliate marketing, which is helping companies grow their customer base by legally and officially developing a partnership with them. Take Pat Flynn's course 123 Affiliate Marketing from the comfort of your own home or office space 
whenever you want. Pat Flynn is the owner and creator of SPI or Smart Passive Income. Smart Passive Income or SPI is a pioneer in the entrepreneurial space, developing state-of-the-art content, training, and resources to help you launch and grow your online business. Pat and SPI focus on the needs and challenges facing entrepreneurs at every stage of their journey, whether it be a freelance career, passive income, content creation, agency business, tech startup, side hustle project, or a personal brand. Their learning and development ecosystem includes must-have guides, popular podcasts, best-in-class courses, insightful publications, and a bunch more. I took these and I strongly, strongly recommend this course. For more information, go to the tools and resources page at albumreview.net. You'll see all the Pat Flynn course information there. <laughs> um, actually, my story today is a great segue with Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is a good transition into my story that I'm gonna that I'm gonna tell today. Let's let's hear it. All right. Um, <laughs> It all began. No, just kidding. <laughs> in a world. In a world. I got this mic so I can do that now. Um, plus, I'm like, I've got that early morning voice. You know, totally, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I appreciate you getting on the, the call this early. Yeah. No, it's not early. It's not. I mean, I'm just, it's, you know, I've been up since. When the six. kids get a little older and they need you less, this is going to be early again. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let me get a little water. Get a little water before you go out there. All right. So when you asked me about this, I thought, you know, and I, and I, I emailed you actually about, about the two different options, because I think about concert experiences I've had as a, as a viewer, as a fan, and then of concert experiences I've had being a performer on stage. And, you know, they both have completely different, um, you know, experiences, associations, emotions with them and everything. So I have, so I, I, I've sort of, I have two in my mind, one for each of those kind of categories. I've been fortunate to have some pretty, pretty awesome experiences on stage too. And, and you've, you've been part of some of those as well. Um, so I have that one kind of in, in my bag perhaps to share um, later. It's a shorter one, but it does involve you. And, and, and uh, it was a memorable moment. I think for both of us, but as far as like just being a fan and going to shows, having experiences, one really sticks out for me because it was just such a, a, a pivotal sort of, you know, experience in my life as well as just going to a show. And so <clears throat> I'll take you back to 1994. I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I was waiting for the year. And then I was like, once he says the year, then I might have an idea. But keep going. Yep. Uh, you could fool me. You could trick me. Yeah. So 1994, I was a, this was, I believe I was 17. And uh, this was the summer of 94. I was a 17 year old in high school. And at the time we were into this band in Boston uh, called Planet B, and Planet B is now um, the lead singer, former lead singer of Planet B, Charlie Carozo, uh, is still an active musician in the Boston area and still doing it. And yep. he was actually out in LA a couple months ago, and I tried to meet up with him. and And I I wanted to meet up with him 
one of the reasons I want to meet up with him because I wanted to tell him this story and see see what he he remembered of it. But it does involve this band. I was we were all really into this band. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, I think we originally saw them uh, open up for Aquarium Rescue Unit at the Paradise in Boston. Yep. And we saw them at Harper's Ferry quite a bit. Harper's Ferry every Tuesday night. Yep. Harper's Ferry. And that just became like a staple in our like Boston life, like Tuesday night, Harper's Ferry. And uh, they, they had a residency there. And so we all just became kind of groupies and friends with these guys and going to see them every week. And at one point, I, I can't remember exactly how it came up, but at one point I somehow became like their merch kid, like selling merchandise for them. So I would just be, you know, in the back where they had their, all their t-shirts and stuff set up. And um, I think somebody couldn't make it one night and Charlie was like, Hey, do you want to help do this for us? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I became kind of like their merch, their merch kid. And we used to also hang out at their band house um, in, in Austin, I think it was. And one day he said, um, he said to me, Hey, we're going on this tour. Uh, do you want to come with us, sell some merch at, at our shows? And then we're also going to go see the dead at Highgate, Vermont at that festival there with Bob Dylan, who's also playing there. So I'm like, Hmm, let me think about that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, um, <laughs> but at the time, you know, I'm 17 and I'm thinking, Hmm, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, independent. I need, uh, some approval from mom and dad um, to go on a tour with a band that they don't know and then go see the dead at a huge festival in Highgate, Vermont. And um, I mean, I'd never seen the the dead before. And this still to this day is is the the only time I've ever seen the actual dead. Um, But maybe I gave it away too soon. So let me back up. I asked my parents and that was a conversation. And then eventually they said yes, for some reason. They, they had enough, I, I don't know, they had heard about this band. I think the fact that, you know, I was going to be with them, they're older, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe more responsible. They're going to look after me. And, you know, I'm 17 and I guess they just took a, took a chance. They were like, yeah, okay, go for it. So I remember the morning that my dad drove me out to his house and dropped me off at his house and I had my backpack. And I just, I still couldn't believe it. I'm like, is this, are you, is this really happening? You're just going to let me go off with this band and like, just do this tour with these guys and then go to a dead show. And so it was that for that moment too, it was like also a big moment for me for like being given the independence to just go off on and travel and go on this experience with these guys who kind of, I always felt like I was taking a leap and my parents were taking a little bit of a leap. So off I went. I remember so many details of this trip, you know, driving up there and everything. And so I'm looking up the date, Zach, and it it says July 13th, 1994. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was uh, uh, summer of 94. So we're going up and they had some shows. They had a show in Maine and a show in Vermont, maybe one other show. But the first stop, I believe, was the festival. So we were going to the festival first and meeting up with a bunch of friends of theirs and so we drive up to the festival you know it's obviously a fun you know trip driving up there and everything and sitting in the back seat and 
with Charlie's girlfriend at the time and another friend of his who was doing most of the driving and we're, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. And then we finally make our way up there, you know, through that huge miles and miles of traffic on those, those little roads going up to the concert site. We finally get up to the area where we're going to be camping. I guess we did, we did the camping nearby. We set up and, you know, having kind of our, our pregame and everything, getting all excited and then it's like this one road leading into the concert site with, you know, right. I don't know, it was probably close to, if not more, over a hundred thousand people or something at that concert. It was, I'm sure. it was the dead and Dylan, maybe uh, I think it was, that was it. Uh, just, just oh. them, uh, just those, just, just those two artists. So we're, we're walking in with thousands of people on this little road, walking in, we're all excited. Da, da, da. And uh, maybe about five, five, 10 minutes into that walk, I just turn around and they're gone. I I totally lost them. And this was pre-cell phones. So, you know, there's only so much you could do really. Look around and, you know, try to figure out where they went. You know, I sort of backtracked a little bit and then looked around and I, I spent maybe 10, 15 minutes looking. And I'm like, man, I just lost all those guys. You know, nowadays I it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like I'd kind of I'd be like, all right, you know, or, you know, you'd try with your phone, but if not, you know, but at that particular time for me, like it was, you know, I, I'm 17. I'm like, all right, I really, you know, I kind of really was depending on these guys. I'm like part of their crew and I right. kind of gone up with them and everything. So it was kind of a big deal. I, I, I kind of panicked a little bit. So I had this idea. I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run up to the, to the front gate because I'll definitely beat them there if I just book it up there. And then I'm going to just go through with my ticket. Fortunately, I had my ticket. He didn't have have all the tickets. So I had my ticket, you know, back in the day of, of a paper ticket. And I'm going to go through and I'm going to wait for them because there was only about eight or 10 slots where all the people could walk into the concert. So I'll go through and I'll go on the other side and I'll wait for them. Pretty good idea. So... I did that and I got through and I'm on the other side of the fence watching people as they're coming in I'm about maybe 50 yards away. And as I'm watching people come in, I start to see some people like sort of start climbing the fence and the ticket gate and in, in, in the, around where they're, they're uh, giving the tickets and people are like, Hey, get down. Da, da, da. And, but there's so many people it just started happening and they sort of slowly kind of lost control and people started accumulating. And then as they're accumulating, all of a sudden I start to see these fences kind of start to do, go back and forth and, you know, kind of sway back and forth. Like, wow, that's a lot of people on that fence. And then boom, the fence just falls down toward me. The whole fence collapses and thousands of people what's that i'm having fence flashbacks right now i have some <laughs> concert fence climbing experience Keep oh going. my gosh and you know just to say this was back in the day when you'd go to these big festivals and it was not that uncommon for just like either holes in the fence or people with ladders in the parking lot you know hey i got a ladder give me 10 bucks and you can jump the fence or you know i went to a bunch of these festivals in, in england because i was uh, later, years later, when I was in college in England, I went to the Glastonbury Festival a couple times. I've got a great story about that one. And and those were like you know these massive festivals, but you couldn't possibly like um, control all those people, and and people would be getting in you know left and right. 
Um, we just go to those festivals without tickets. We'd just be like, oh yeah, of course we're going to find a way to get in. So the security was not nearly what it is now. And, and, um, and this just happened occasionally. And I just happened to be there right there watching it. And obviously I had my game plan, which I'm going to try to find my friends as they came in. So as soon as those fence collapsed, first thing I thought was I'm going to die and I better get the <laughs> heck out of the way because thousands of people started running toward me. And so I, I run out of the way. I watch all these people flood the concert site. I was like, at that point, I'm like, all right, guess I'll, I'll make the best of it. Spent the whole festival, the whole day, just cruising around, walking around on my own, meeting me different people. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a really, just an early experience where I'm like, oh man, I guess I'm just, this is it. This is going to how, how I'm going to see the dead for the very first time. And Dylan, I remember, I remember like moments of, I think I was so occupied with being there and the whole scene of it and being on my own. Then I, I don't remember like the show or never, I don't remember really sitting and watching the show attentively that much. All I remember is like these moments. And, and one of the first moments I remember is looking up at the screen and seeing this kind of old guy hunched over with white hair and just being like, so that's Jerry. <laughs> like, and he looked, <laughs> he looked like this kind of old, like Santa guy, like just, you know, toward the end of his career and of his life, years. really. Yeah. yeah. Did Dylan and, open the show or did he, I'm assuming yeah, I believe... he opened and then he came out and played with them? I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. I believe he did. I'd love to find a rec- uh, I'd, I'd love got, to watch I've got the set list, some highlights from the set list. Jack Straw, Althea, Loser, Tennessee Jed, Let It Grow. They played Karina, which I believe mm. is a, or Bob Dylan played it. I don't know a lot. Uh, Need a Miracle, Standing on the Moon. They closed the show with Sugar Mags and then they encored with U.S. Blues. So, um, and that was at Franklin County State Airport in Swanton, Virginia. July thirteenth, nineteen ninety four. Oh, that was oh, that was Virginia or? Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry. Swanton, Vermont, not Virginia. Oh yeah, Vermont. Okay, yeah. Which is like part of like Highgate was like the yeah. the, the area or something yep. like that. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember much of it. Um, not and <laughs> so not not for that. <laughs> not for not for like the reasons you'd normally say. I don't remember much of a dead concert, uh, but because. <laughs> Because I wasn't, you know, I, I I didn't really, I wasn't really into much stuff at that time. I just like was so kind of, you know, in awe of this experience. And then I, I, Dylan, I remember uh, not, he sounded also like not that great. And I just remember just, yeah, the, the experience of being there and all the entertainment value of just being in that scene for me, it was like better than the concert uh, itself. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, like, I had so many different experiences roaming around during the shows. Um, but the crazy thing is, I ran into Andrew, uh, I remember you told me friends of ours from our high school, several friends, like just, you know, 100,000 people. And I run into the, and and like, I, don't, I think we just had the, these quick like exchanges like, oh, hey, man. Hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> All right. See you later. Have a good show. And it's like, do you realize the odds of like... Yeah. Right, right. It's like running into uh, Greg Mansfield in in uh, Italy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that's the best one ever. Kid that, we went to high school. I know. 
Oh my God, this is so difficult because I need to add on to this, but I my my time is, is limited. You got back and you were like, yeah, dude, I got lost and I just roamed around the whole weekend basically by myself. But then you ended up, obviously you ended up finding the guys uh, yes. afterwards, right? Did you yeah. have to go and like put a, back in those days, for those of you who are, you know, maybe under 30 years old, you at those kind of festivals, if you wanted to find somebody, you had to go to like a board and post like, yo, Charlie, I'm looking for you, Zach. If you get this, you know, meet me at blank, you know, food stand at three o'clock or something like that. Yes. Yeah. They had those, those meetup or you'd say, Hey, meet, you know, if we get lost, meet at like the, that meetup area. And there was right. like these designated like meetup areas totally. Yeah. And yep. those billboards where you could post messages and yep. Yep. it was yep. just, yeah, it was a whole, a whole other world really. really um, yeah. And I remember one of the stories, um, the story you told actually was was another great example when when you when when you guys lost Jeff at at the oh my uh, god I still have that, heart palpitations about that that week yeah, yeah that was, and that was like a really just a a a, a real a, a real fear of like being at these shows like if you yeah. depended on your friends for whatever reason to get right. home or whatever it was you had to come up with these plans. Like if you lose each other, we meet here or, you know, and, and I knew I did have that comfort of knowing where we were camped and I would see them afterwards. So um, at least I knew I'd see them after. And I think I remember like after the show, you know, walking back, you know, that kind of long walk and finally getting back to the campsite. I think I remember they're all them all like around a fire, like hanging out, playing and having some beers. And they're like, oh, hey, man, what's up? And I'm just like, <laughs> hey, guys. hey, guys, you're like Chevy Chase. You're like, you're thirsty. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, I lost you back there. Oh, I don't know God. if you noticed. <laughs> you've got like a torn shirt like you have no money on you one Birkenstock on and they're just like hey man sit down and have a you know have a brew man have a tatty porter yeah oh yeah oh. no it, it was uh yeah i mean it's you know we've had some some crazy ones together for sure as well we got uh, to do more of those let's do another one at some point soon if the one i wanted to tell of us um which can be for another time was when you went to my show in new hampshire that one still gives me goosebumps and i actually somewhat related to that i have in my dropbox account still i have your video that you made of you guys at the greek theater oh yeah i, I played yeah. that friday night or thursday night uh for the boys because Holly was, we were talking about going to London because we're going to London in, uh, yeah. in February. And I was like, we got to go to Royal Albert Hall. And the boys were like, what's that? And I was explaining what it was. And I told them about our, that's another one too. When we saw Sting at yeah. Royal Albert Hall, we just like walked by and it was like, oh, what's, what's playing here tonight? You know, oh, this guy named Sting, you know? And I, was yeah. like, I looked at you and I was like, dude, I don't care how much this costs. We're going into this show. We're going. And you were like, cool, man, awesome. I'm game. That's cool. And, yeah. um, but I told them about Rye and, and Holly was like, yeah, what was Rye's last name? So then I, I started talking about, you know, Rye X and she was like, X, I thought it was coming. And I was like, well, and I explained the story. Of course, the boys got curious. So I pulled up on the TV in our living room, I pulled up your video. No and, way. Played it for them, and they were That's like, awesome. they were they were totally uninterested until yeah. the sh clips of you guys on stage, and then their eyeballs were like, "Whoa!" Because they didn't really get like the 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 
the importance of it and the size of it. You know, you guys yeah. were backstage and you were chatting and you were, you know, warming up and, you know, Rye was talking to the camera and yeah. you were, you did like the hands in kind of thing. And yeah. And then they were like, daddy, this is boring. Like, is there basketball on, you know? And then all of a sudden it clips to you guys on stage and they were like, how many people were at that show? <laughs> uh, how how big is the Greek? How many yeah. people? How many seats? Um, ten thousand at least. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, ten to twenty or so. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. something else that we'll get into in another time. We've talked to previous podcasts, but Zach has played in front of you know ten, twenty, in many cases even more thousand people. So all right, dude. No so, problem. Um. So thanks. Yeah, Enjoy the rest of the week and um, enjoy some football if you get a chance and um. I will, um, I'll let you know when this is coming out. Real quick break to talk about a new edition of the albumreview.net podcast. So what was your craziest concert experience? Can you think of it? Can you remember it? Is there a concert or a rock show that you've attended any time in your life that you just need to share? Well, the albumreview.net podcast is doing a segment called Band Fanatics, where we interview music fans on the podcast as they share their most insane concert experience. So how do you submit your story? Send a message to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. Or you can message me directly on Instagram at albumreview.net. Tell us briefly about your crazy concert experience it can be anything. It just needs to be wild. And we'll get back in touch with you if your story's right for the podcast. Come be a part of the Band Fanatics podcast, part of albumreview.net. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Can you see me? Hey, buddy. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Um, start video. Yeah. There, there you, you go. go. There you go, Neva. Okay. Yeah. Look at, you. Look at your. Are you? Are you? Where are you? In the, Howard Stern's yeah, studio. I've, yeah, I've invested. Yeah, I, I took my uh, my lemonade stand money and I built a studio in my basement. Live. Is that a face? Is that a fake backdrop? No, man. This is real. Yeah, you didn't know. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> hey, you have like a fight. It's like weird to see when you move. Yeah, it's true. Oh yeah, how's your arm doing? I never got an operation. Nice. Um, and I mean, it's Real. like night and day from when I talked to you, which was nice. like, I don't know, a week after the accident or something. Right. right. Yeah. But I still do have pains and you know how, like, I know something's wrong in it because yeah. you know how sometimes you pop like your knee, yep. it, like, or like when you crack your knuckle and you hear that, well, that's happening in my elbow and it's never happened before. So there is something going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can, I can use it. Um, are so you doing any, I, I don't know the rules. Exercises. Well, are, like, are you doing physical therapy with the doctor or? No, but I'm lifting bags all the time and I'm using my hand and cool. stretching. And so, I mean, the, 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 from where I was, when I talked to you to now, it's like unbelievable. And I glad, I'm glad I made the choice not to get surgery Yeah. at that point. Um, yeah. I didn't think that it was going to be, I don't, I didn't think it was going to heal this well. So, um, that's great, man. Yeah. That's great. Good stuff. Yep. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, um, yeah, things are good here. We, uh, 
We had Danny actually. We Danny went zero and two. Danny's basketball team went zero and two this weekend. We had a game um, down in Foxborough last night, and we actually went to Gillette Stadium for dinner. Um, oh, skipjacks! Um, was it nice? It was good. I hadn't been. I hadn't been down to the stadium in a while, and because the Pats were out of town, it was, you know, it was fairly mellow. So it was easy to get in and out of there, like to the mall area. I don't know if you've ever been to the the mall the patriot place outdoor mall. oh i haven't been to the patriots place since it was called sullivan stadium no, or no i should re- I, I take that back the last time i was at foxborough was 1994 pink floyd no way wow wow <laughs> um, justin love was right next to me and right next <laughs> to him was Vanya. And he's just oh my god that we right in front of my stepmother I still yeah. think about I still think about that concert on a regular basis. So yeah, no, you. I'm glad you remember it. I do. I, I do remember it yeah. pretty well. I remember laughing my head off at Matt Clayson, going, you know, this guy was like beeping at us to let us in or to let him in as we were leaving the parking lot, and he just goes like, "Yeah, fuck you," and you, and this guy had a big like black Pink Floyd hat, and goes, "And you, you waste the money hat." And like, I guess when I repeat it now, it's not as funny, but just in the moment, <laughs> we just, we were all crippled over with like, well, it just, it was just, it could have been anybody that said it. It wasn't necessarily yeah. Clayson. It was because we were all, we all agreed. Like we were all in the stadium and I was like, I'm not going to pay 45 bucks for a fucking hat. Like that hat sucks. So anyway, wow. it was, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was a great concert, but it wasn't one of my craziest concerts. Yeah. And so. You, yeah, I was thinking about it. So, I mean, I have a, I have, I have a two that I'm that come to mind, and I mean, I don't really have okay. tons of stuff to say on on either one of them, but um, it's just they are kind of crazy in terms of of the actual overall, like how it went down and what it was, and um, okay, you know, um, so, so fire away. The first concert that I I thought about talking about. Um, was way back in the day when we were probably, I think juniors or seniors, I think I was a senior in high school and um, you know, Justin Love. And- uh, So this is either 1994 or 1995. Yeah, 95, I think. I okay. think it was senior year. I don't think at, at 16 or 17, my parents would have allowed me to do this, but somehow when you get to be a senior in high school, it's like, a you know, you grow up a little bit more and they- yeah. And your parents they know you're about to go to college don't care as much so he um he you know he had this entrepreneur father um kind of very successful family um owning a lot of um businesses in the area frugal fannies so it was just kind of interesting he his his parents were very modern and had like all these mc escher paintings and original like paintings on the wall so he's just an interesting guy and he lived a couple blocks down from from my dad and we got to know each other. I feel like it was that way. Oh, it could have been on a, on a teen tour. Um, isn't Justin the guy that that's where I met Justin love, by the way, isn't Justin, the guy, isn't he the one who he, his, one of his famous stories was he, he, when he moved out of his, his house, he went back like, or there was a night where he was, he had a couple too much to drink and he went back to that house and like knocked on the door and then realized as he was knocking that, he told me that story, so I don't know if that resonates with you. On his own door? I don't remember. I don't like recall. Like, his parents had moved out of the house, and he just had a ton to drink one night, and Whoa. his brain 
his brain told him to like go back to that house. So wow, that must have been really late in the <laughs> yeah. in the time frame of him moving off of that Oxbow Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, that must have been. Like, anyway, I don't right. want to steal your thunder, but I, I, I don't oh. know whether you might have known. That. Yeah, I mean that's something that I could see Justin Love doing with his love bud. Um, <laughs> he, uh, but he had this this crazy uncle, who I guess had some odd jobs, um, but apparently was the manager of uh, the harmonica player on Eric Clapton's from the cradle tour oh cool so justin's uncle was the manager of this harmonica player and the harmonica player was jerry portnoy who i think is a, a pretty famous harmonica player who has just been around playing with all these amazing musicians and justin um said hey do you want to do you want to take a trip across the pond to london to go to a uh, Eric Clapton concert at Royal Albert Hall go backstage and I was like I think I do <laughs> <laughs> I think I do want to do that um, as a senior in high school and so I don't I really don't think I had to kind of manipulate my parents too much I think they were pretty cool about about it at that point in time so within like a week of an, him asking me we were on a on a big huge double-decker plane to uh, London wow and, uh, you know, from the moment we got on that plane, having Bloody Marys, uh, to the time we got back to Boston, where I probably really? slept for two days. Um, well, I guess because technically yeah, when you're on the plane, the, you can drink. Yeah, on the plane, it's say I'm 18, I probably had my fake uh, Dean Scontris. Scontris. Uh, <laughs> Dean Scontris uh, ID, which when you look back at those, and I mean, I can't believe, I mean, obviously the storekeepers were just like, I want the money because this yeah. thing looked Oh my God. Gene Scottress oh. and Ben Westner. Yeah. And I, you know what? I think it probably absolutely did work in, in London and, and, and overseas oh, yeah. where they just had no idea yeah. what, what things would look like. But um, so, yeah, we, uh, we, we ended up uh, going over there and I, first we met the manager, his uncle and man, I mean, he was like, uh, I mean, I can, I, I basically, he was like, uh, uh, who's the guy that drinks the, uh, the big Lebowski. He was like the big Lebowski. Dude. Yeah, he was like the dude. He had sunglasses at nighttime. Um, <laughs> he had like the, this this big beard. He was like Justin, man. I mean, come on. And he was like, he literally. And uh, so we, the first thing we we do, and I don't know if this is. I mean, can I? I don't know if I can say this stuff if it's legal or not. I guess it is because pot's legal. But like the 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 harmonica player requested that Uncle. Uh, um Leland um come to his hotel room so we went to the hotel room with at, at that point like actually to, to still to this day the biggest package uh, filled with weed just like here you go wow and so we went to the harmonica players hotel room gave him gave him that had some drinks um and this uncle Leland um you know he would have like marijuana cigarettes like like it was like a pack a day like he just kept on wow. uh, so it was just a it was just a crazy time even before the concert and uh, but the anticipation was really exciting and um royal albert hall i had never seen a concert there and i requested to the harmonica player when i met him who was a really nice guy can you play a specific song that i loved out off that album called five long years okay. um 
and that was a that's a that's just a like a standard kind of blues song but i mean eric clapton um and i'm not the biggest fan of eric clapton but at that point in time that album was like i was yeah. listening to that that i remember specifically i was listening to that album at the time and um wildflowers tom petty so it was like on yeah. the cradle wildflowers yeah. that, that's the era we go to the show we have great seats he plays uh that song so i was like oh my gosh he's playing the song i don't know if they had a set you know standard set list every night but i was thinking to myself he played that for me <laughs> um, and then uh and then we were able to go backstage and i briefly um met eric clapton but it was like i don't think he was in the best of moods uh, he said like you know one thing like yeah how you doing shook my hand and then i, I literally he was in the the like green room for maybe a minute um but hey it was yeah, it was there better than nothing incredible experience and wow. uh you know to do that at 18 and to go over seas and and see that yeah that was that was a crazy experience a unique experience and one that i'll never forget um, and and was there uh somebody you had to do it with somebody like one of my best friends um yeah was there an opener that night do you remember or no, I, that might not be no. important um, but i was just no nope, there wasn't an opener he played just i think it was just one maybe one set and, a, and an encore yeah but a solid you know two hours and um i'm trying to think if i had ever seen another another show at royal albert hall and i think actually the only other show because i had another connection in gallon that we went to go see uh counting crows at um we saw counting crows at um royal albert hall mm. after that one but that wasn't that wasn't a crazy uh as crazy as that story um as the eric clapton story i'm looking and up, then uh, i'm looking up jerry portnoy right now yep he, was, uh, he, I, the, he may not even be alive he was, was, is he alive yes he's still alive he's 79 years old yeah um grew up in chicago which made him, yeah um, which would have made him like um 50 something that's yeah. incredible wow yeah. 79 so um but yeah this was, is it, and that's no relation to mike portnoy or david portnoy or but david i mean portnoy? we're talking about three jewish people there <laughs> so there could be yeah uh, i mean i mean obviously they go back on the boat they, they, they're definitely related in some way the portnoys all the jewish portnoys came over on the boat um, okay Okay. I don't know how closely they were related, but um very cool. Yeah. Cool man. Well, thank you for for sharing those and we yeah. should do this again because there's like 800 yeah. more. We'll, we'll figure that all out, man, and um yeah. glad you you invited me in on your podcast. That was awesome. Thanks for joining and yeah. we're going to do more because you have like amazing stories. I've already sure. recorded one with Zach and I mean What was his oh, wait, you know tell me. Uh, yeah, you know what? Ha ha. No, I'm going to make it a surprise. So you're going to have to hear the episode, but I'm going to put you guys both in the same episode. Nice. I think you were at the same concert, but you didn't go together. So I'll just, no, leave I think I know. I'll leave I it think at I'll, I'll leave it at I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. And, um, okay guys, have yeah, a in great... fact, I'm going to, I'm going to text you. I'm going to text you something in the next couple of days. Bye Alberta. Bye. Bye Freddie. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Okay. All right, bye. See you later. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to Band Fanatics brought to you by the albumreview.net podcast. And thanks again to John, Andrew, and Zach for sharing their stories. 
Once again, if you'd like to be part of Band Fanatics by AlbumReview.net, send a message to gpotters at AlbumReview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at AlbumReview.net. Or you can message me on Instagram at AlbumReviewNet. Tell us briefly about your crazy concert experience. It can be anything. It just needs to be wild. And we'll get back in touch with you if your story is right for the podcast. So come be a part of the Band Fanatics podcast, part of AlbumReview.net. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Broken landscape.